Welcome to the IOTICS podcast, where we talk to inspiring humans who are not just doing things differently, but doing different things to make their world and by extension ours a better place. On this podcast, we explore how they are bringing people and technology together to solve complex challenges today. My name is Megan Davis, and you might notice that um, it's not Ali Nicholl doing this intro to the podcast because I've got Ali sitting opposite me. And today, as part of our summer bonus content, <laughs> I'm going to be interviewing Ali. Hello, Ali. Hi, Megs. It's very odd to be on this side of the table. Not at all happy about it. <laughs> I'm going to try and do your podcast justice. Excellent. Thank um, you. So I'm super excited to be interviewing you today. You are, of course, here as Head of Engagement at IOTICS. Yes. Um, but tell me a little bit about your other hats, because you've got loads of hats, Sally Nicholl. And I'd love to hear about you as a person, of course, um, and what else do you do in addition to being our wonderful Head of Engagement? Yeah, so I'm uh, exceptionally lucky that IOTICS has afforded me the opportunity to take a number of additional positions and advisory positions. Um, so the kind of four that are most interesting, I think, candidly, are that I'm the vice chair of Tech UK's Digital Twin Steering Board. So that is an industry body who is looking at the kind of business models and impacts that connect to digital twins cyber physical fabrics, all, all the great buzzwords, but you know, what is the actual meaningful impact it will have on industry? How will industry need to respond? How will they need to build different financial models and different business models um, today? But more importantly, kind of looking backwards from 2030, 2050. Um, I'm also co-chair of the Digital Twin Hubs Community Council. Uh, so the Digital Twin Hub is a meeting place, a virtual meeting place for all sorts of industry, academia, government, to come and look at how, uh, again, the ability to connect all our assets, connect our systems together, how that can transform us to a more robust, flourishing society. Um, and I'm the co-chair there of the Community Council because this is a socio-technical world and, and challenge that we're looking at. So the role of community for me and for Iotics is very important. How do we bring people together? How do we get the conversations flowing? The third one is the Apollo Protocols. I'm on the Apollo Protocols board. Um, the Apollo Protocols is kind of the other end of the spectrum. So it's, it's a bit more on the technology side, looking at how can we use best in class standards, um, best in class models, ontologies, way of, way of describing words and data to enable different sectors to come together. Uh, and the Apollo Protocols are trying to create a understandable natural language set of, set of principles fundamentally, that will allow different sectors to come together. And then the fourth one is um, I'm on the Industry Advisory Board at Cranfield University uh, and also have contributed to their MSc in Digital and Technology Solutions because you know, we've had the social, we've had the technical, we've had the industrial piece, but if we can't do this with the right skills, if we're not educating people on not the art of the possible, but the art of the now, what they can do right this five seconds um, to do things differently, to change the way they behave. Um, then we're, we're going to end up with a really niche group of people that get it and understand it, and that's lovely, while the rest of the world just carries on with their business. So that it's very important to me and to everyone at IOTICS that we're out there and helping with education, uh, driving through education modules in hand, hand in hand with Cranfield. Wow, that's that's a lot. And I think... 
it's, as you say, it's super important to have all of those different aspects covered. And I've heard you, um, I was listening to the latest episode um, of the IOTICS podcast where you interviewed Mark Walton, who is our co-inventor and one of our co-founders. And he was talking about how finally, after 10 years, um, people are starting to come round to the way of thinking iotically. I want to ask you what thinking iotically <laughs> means for a start. Um, but also it sounds like with all of those different organisations that you're involved in, that there is this feeling that the time is now. Um, it would be interesting. I want to talk to you about what you say that a lot. You say to us, the market's arriving. It's coming towards us. The time is now. Can you talk to me about what you mean by that? Yeah, I think I think it's, and it, it is an easy thing to say and a harder thing to put your finger on and say, this is the point. And that's true of any trend or societal shift is actually pointing to it was 9 a.m. on August 1st, you know, 1984 that this happened is is exceptionally rare there are a couple of horrific examples in history but with those with those couple of exceptions it's very difficult to pinpoint exactly when when change happens but i think what we can see all around us is people starting to embrace and recognize the complexity of their world that the major challenges we have supply chain resilience achieving net zero um, creating greater equality inclusion and avoiding exclusion from digital systems and worlds. All of these are not single sector, single company, or even single geography problems. So when I say the market's coming towards us, I think it's because we see an ecosystem of partners and customers and players, each of whom is embracing that complexity and really struggling, grappling, and overcoming one of three kind of core challenges. The first is the recognition that they they are working in low trust ecosystems. How do you how do you work with organisations where nine days out of every ten you're competitive with them, but on the tenth day you have to work together to create a new solution, um, or where you are naturally and rightly concerned about stuff? So we do a lot of work with Soprasteria, who are a, a technology service provider. Um, they're French in origin, but but global organisation. Um, and they're doing a lot of work with people in vulnerable situations or people living with vulnerabilities who um, need their information, their needs to be understood by the utility companies, the local government, uh, the blue light services that respond to them. And at the moment, they it's on the onus is on the individuals to engage with each of those organizations to find their website, to sign up to various registrars or, or, or to submit details. And what's required is across that ecosystem, the right information to be shared with the right people at the right time. But clearly this is highly sensitive information. So you can't just create a big pot in the middle and, and everyone say, okay, well look, anytime you need to look something up, everyone go look in the same pot and, and you'll find all the information about Mrs. Miggins at number 37. Yeah, it just doesn't work like that. So you have to operate in, in what would be referred to as a low trust or no trust ecosystem and then find ways to share information with each other. So the fact that an organization of the size, scale, and responsibility of SOPRA is looking at those problems and saying, okay, well, how do we do this? How do we get all these parties to be able to work together um, is really important. And it's not just where you're trying to share information. It's also finding data that you know you have. Um, we do some work in the defense industry. Uh, and there, you know, a great expression I heard the other day was that data is seen as a strategic asset by the board and as a gaseous byproduct by operations. 
So how can you make better, quicker decisions? Um, there's a thing in the defense industry called the OODA loop. Observe, orientate, decide, act. And, it, and it's all about finding information, contextualizing that information, making a decision on what you're going to do next, acting on it, and then observing what the impact is that. So it's a nice, hence the loop bit, it's a nice feedback loop. But actually, how do you find that information where it is rightly siloed for security reasons or by different operational uh, parts of your organization? You've got to be able to find it more quickly. And so again, people recognizing the complexity of that. We've been doing that with non-sensitive information or you know, uh, spreadsheets for decades, but actually trying to do it with operational data um, at the right time is, is incredibly challenging. Um, and then the third one is, is recognizing that I had a great expression the other day that no one really knows what they're doing. Um, and what I love about an organization like, uh, and to pick an example, sorry to pick on them, but Portsmouth International Port, yeah, they have this incredibly uh, clear goal of being net zero by 2030 and emissions free by 2050. But they're equally clear that they're not quite sure on how they're going to get there. Mm. So in a complex world, how do you trial things and do things and test things and move forward? You know, how do you, they did a project with us um, a couple of years ago looking at portside hydrogen electrolyzers. Science I don't fully understand, don't need to. Um, the, the point is they were trying to do something where they were looking at how they could reduce emissions and reduce their carbon footprint. And it turns out hydrogen electrolyzers aren't part of the solution. Mm. But that's fine. Keep all the other bits that work and they're able to adapt and shift and try something else. And I think if we're going to overcome these incredibly complex things, what we're starting to see is people recognizing that they do need to be able to adapt. They need to be able to bring different ecosystem partners in, different uh, technologies in. Uh, and adopt them quickly, not spend three, four years trying to do requirements assessments, not doing three, four years of trying to get through all the firewalls and all the pieces, but actually bring things together quickly. And if they don't work, drop them, move on, try something different. And it's only then that we'll find that roadmap and, and act as a pathfinder for other people to bring in. So the very fact that we, IOTICs, are working in these, these environments, the fact that our customers and partners are doing stuff in these environments tells me that finally people are saying... This isn't easy. The kind of glib hand-waving that we saw five, ten years ago, of like, oh, don't worry, just give it all to us and we'll sort it all for you. That doesn't work in complex ecosystems. The fact that people are seeing that really says to me that the world is ready to tackle these, these problems and be real about it. And is that what you mean when you say people are starting to think iotically? Because yeah, we talk about thinking about things differently in order to embrace IOTICS technology, which is one of a kind, yeah. innovative, unique. How do people need to think in order to think IOTICly or work IOTICly with their partners? Yeah, so I, I think there are three. There's a lot of threes in this. Yeah, go on. Classic, classic, <laughs> classic storytelling. <laughs> there are three things I think that are, are really resonant to working IOTICly. Uh, and we can talk a bit about how it works, but fundamentally to change the way you think. First of all, think cooperatively, not collaboratively. So, and, and the distinction that I would draw is collaboratively is we all get together, we all agree what we're going to do and how we're going to do it, and then we set out and do it. That's pretty unrealistic. And, and that's great for tiny groups. I mean, it's, let's be honest now, anyone who's ever tried to organize a meal with more than two friends will tell you <laughs> it's pretty difficult to do socially, yes, almost impossible true. to do commercially. But you can work cooperatively where you instead say, look, we fundamentally agree that we want to get to net zero or we fundamentally agree that we want to 
um, be more inclusive or have more resilient supply chains or not have the world be on fire. You know, or, yeah, these are not difficult things to bring people around. But then you equally recognise that each of the players has their own selfish agenda entirely fairly and rightly. You know, they have their own stakeholders, they have their constituents, uh, they have their stockholders, whatever it might be. So you allow them to each have their own way of working, their own selfish interests, but then to come together. And if we can work cooperatively and recognising that we don't all need to agree everything up front, we don't all need to agree exactly how we're going to do it, but to instead set off on a journey with each other, sharing only what we want, where we want. Which leads us into the second piece, which I think is accessibility. And I think it's really important that accessibility also implies inaccessibility. So this isn't about everything being open. In the same way that collaboration has largely stumbled on, a, on, a, on the challenge of actually a utopian ideal, more open data is great. I love the government initiatives around open data being made out of the Cabinet Office. That's fantastic. But fundamentally, you are going to struggle getting everything open, rightly. Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't you know, we, we talked about Soprasteria and the work we're doing with them around people in vulnerable situations. I don't want their data to be open. We do work in the defence industry. I don't, I don't want our frontline troops information to be available publicly. Um, so it isn't about open data, but it's about accessible data. Where someone has the right permissions, the right organisation, the right credentials, they should be able to quickly find and access the information they need to make the decision they need. So thinking about how do we do accessibility, it's a yes-if approach. Yes, I can share this if these permissions are set up, not how most things currently are set, which is a no because. I'm unwilling to do this because of these security concerns. So yes-if is, is an accessibility piece. And then the final piece is reusability. We don't like single-use plastics. I don't like single-use products. I believe very passionately in my own private life that any technology I should be able to repair and, and, and enhance and work on. I think working IOTically is about shifting that mindset into the way we look at data and information as well. If you are constructing your application, your data, your set for a single use, for a this serves my purposes today, you are wasting energy, time and money because the very tomorrow, the situation will be slightly different. Mm. Tomorrow, you will have to do things slightly differently, at which point you've spent a lot of time and effort getting a lovely, robust system that works for one set of circumstances. Mm. And I think all of us have seen if you made a three year plan three years ago, there is no way you have stuck to it. Most people used to work on a five year plan. If you worked on a five year plan, what does that take us back to you? 2018. Good luck to you. Yeah, exactly. If, if, yeah. You, if you've stuck to that religiously, religiously then um, I strongly suspect you're currently out of business. So we know that adaptation is coming. We know challenges are coming. We know things that we, you know, ironically, we know things that we can't predict are going to happen. It's a prediction that will absolutely hold true. So the ability to adapt is all about making sure that everything we do is reusable. That's about making sure that we structure everything we do as component parts, as Lego bricks. Mm. So that, yes, you can make the picture on the box, but you can also adapt and change and you can get other people's Lego bricks and other bits and pieces together and you can move on and do it. And I think the best example I've seen recently about all three of those is some work that we're doing with Northern Gas Networks, unsurprisingly, up in the, the northeast of England, um, who are trying to understand how we can get to net zero collectively. Mm. So they have gone and built a customer energy village where they have physical 
uh, representations of, of different housing stock that exists in the UK. So they've gone and built houses from different generations of house building with traditional techniques and so on, um, so that they can trial and test different technologies and approaches to enabling all of us to manage our emissions better to help reach net zero. But they've also brought together uh, water company, electricity, gas, uh, white goods manufacturer, charities, academics, to work in and around that village, to share information with each other. Again, only what they want. They each have selfish ambitions about future business models they're working on or where they set the dial for pricing and metrics and so on. But fundamentally sharing pieces of information so that we can develop a better picture of what's happening. And in turn, bring in the information and all that rich information they have, that accessible information, inside their own organisations yes. so they can get the best possible picture. But ultimately, recognising that it all needs to be constructed because there won't be one way to achieve it, not just per house, but it will be hugely important to understand where the dials are, the reusability piece, the, the ability to, to shift those dials. What happens if... Uh, you know, the actual fundamental price of gas shifts dramatically. What happens if the price of the goods you're using to retrofit the houses changes dramatically, which we saw during the pandemic with things like chipboard and timber and so on? Well, that will fundamentally throw off all the devices. So that ability to reuse the information, to try different scenarios, to look at different models, while working cooperatively on an end goal, net zero, and then making sure that you're only sharing the information you want, that the information that you need to share with each other is accessible, but the information within your own systems, your own IP is inaccessible. If we can start working in that way, I think there's nothing that we can't solve. Iotics mean to you? So I've been thinking about this a lot um, because I think fundamentally Iotics for me is about hope. I, I think that we recognise the complexity of the challenges in front of us and we recognise that it's a very common refrain, I can't do anything about this. And you're absolutely right. You can't. On your own. Mm. But you can if you work with other people. And if you can come together with other people, then you absolutely can. There's a, there's a Kantian expression, ought implies can. And I don't profess to be a philosopher, but as I understand it, you only have an obligation, you only ought to do something if you can do it. And I now feel that with organizations like IOTICS, our partners and our customers being out there and working on things, that we can and so we ought. That what IOTICS means to me is that there is a way to solve these problems. There is a way to work together that protects our IP, that looks after our shareholders, that looks after our citizens, that protects their information, protects their data, but fundamentally allows them to come together and work together to solve the most complex issues of our day. And if it's not us severally together, then who? The government can't do it on their own. It's not a critique of any government globally. They are part of this ecosystem. Um, we shouldn't be sitting back, in my opinion, and letting a large technology company say, don't worry, I'll solve it all for you. 
Um, you know, we've seen some announcements just in recent days of uh, some of the large technology companies expanding their, you know, we will do all these things, don't worry, we've got it f from you. We'll do all your banking, all your messaging, all your communications, all your services. Mm. I don't believe any of us really want that. So if it's not us, then who? Like, there's no B team. I heard that recently from uh, Caroline Bellamy at Defence Digital. You know, there, there is no B team. It is us, severally, coming together to work. And IOTICS for me says, you can. And if you can, you ought. Uh, and so I, I passionately believe that this is about enabling other people to be brilliant and other people's brilliance to be more than the sum of its parts. And Ali, if you could convince any organisation or any group of organisations in the world to think IOTICly, work IOTICly, I mean, use IOTICS, who would you choose? So I would be delighted, we would be delighted to do more in a healthcare and social care space. It is an area that is fundamentally broken. Mm. And I don't believe I've read any commentator from any side of any political spectrum who doesn't recognize there are significant challenges. But they can be solved. But they can be solved only if we act and think differently. Rather than trying to fix point problems, you know, there isn't enough bed space in a hospital. Okay, well, we need to build more hospitals or more beds or whatever else it might be. Actually, how can we prevent more people going into hospitals in the first place? How can we reduce the length of time they spend in hospitals? And how can we get them out of hospitals earlier and looked after better from a social care perspective? Well, this is the ultimate com complex system because it is all aspects of our lives. It is uh, the healthcare system itself. It's the built environment. What's one of the things that helps people get out of hospitals quicker? the ability to see green spaces and to live and interact in green spaces. It absolutely factually helps you recover quicker from any any um, interaction. Um, it includes social care. It includes transport. You know, there are huge issues with how people get to and from medical spaces and our ability to deal with that and work with it. We've seen little projects that councils have done uh, in the east of England around things like, actually, if you could be better at weather prediction, you would salt roads in a different way so there would be less slips, so less candidly elderly people would damage their hips, spend time in hospital and so on, which have long recovery periods. So how can we have, enable people to have better lives for longer? It, it starts with thinking about health and social care differently. It starts with us coming together and sharing information, not trying to solve point solutions, which we know doesn't work. There isn't an infinite amount of money that we can pour in. Even if the entirety of the rest of the UK's budget was exclusively focused on healthcare, we would struggle under our current systems and structures. We have to find ways to cooperate, to enable the accessibility of information across entire spectrums of people, to educate people on how they can do it differently. Because I think if you speak to anyone uh, out in the UK uh, and in the globally, who's had any interaction with the health or social care situation, they can see how it could be more enchanted. They could see that, you know, if the person that I'm going to see just already knew what the problem was, if they knew the other problems I had, if they, could, if they had the time and space to identify and talk about the underlying problems, healthcare problems, if I could be treated at home 
as well as in centres. If I could not have to move between multiple departments within a building, if I could have social care come and do rehabilitation at my house, we can all have our idealised journey of what that looks like. And a big part of what I would love to be doing would be showing people that that vision that you have as an individual sat at home right now listening to this is something that is absolutely possible to deliver. Um, and so my big ask is, A, anyone who has any authority in this space, please reach out. I mean, I'm sure our big bosses won't be pleased with me saying this, but like I, I viscerally want to work in this space. I viscerally, you know, it's why we invented the technology was to solve these kind of problems. But also to everyone, you should be insisting on these approaches, not IOTICs, but these approaches, cooperative, accessible, reusable approaches, bringing ecosystems together in adaptive ways, making it easier to find information you already have but is obscured in silos, and being able to work in complex low-trust systems. You, you should be asking for it now. You should be asking it of your elected representatives. You should be asking it of your company. You should be asking it of everyone around you. You should be saying, when you say, wouldn't it be great if, yeah, and you can today make it happen. Stop. Let's stop writing reports about what the problems are. Let's stop describing a dream state because it isn't a dream state. It's stuff that we can do together. There are technologies out there. There are people out there. There are visionaries out there who are already trying to make this happen. If we can stitch them together, if we can bring them together in a, in a fabric, in, a, in an infrastructure that enables them to flourish, then we can solve these problems, we can enchant people's lives, and we can make it better. A little bit of vision, a little bit of technology, and the will, we can make a, we can make a world of difference. Ali Nicole, thank you very much. Thanks, mates. Enjoyed this. <laughs> that was a bit different thanks megs um next time i'll be back in the host seat on the other side of our table uh, talking to brilliant inspiring people but i hope you enjoyed this little look normal service will be resumed soon i promise so huge thank you to runway studios for hosting us to joe davis for the graphics the iotics podcast is a snaffle podcast production we'll see you next time